Morning, everyone. So just a, f- a few um, words that came through uh, this morning, besides the prophetic words, uh, Joe was talking about, um, when he spoke about 412, about hosting, um, about doing things that are hard, but in the Lord they are made easier. Uh, Joe said to me, uh, regarding the preach uh, this Sunday, uh, you know, Lucas has been preaching about faith for a few weeks, and uh, about service and, uh, and the outworking of faith and serving uh, in his kingdom and serving the church. And I think that uh, uh, that was coming through. I know that from Joe's life that he is a man that just serves. And as Joe leads us over the next five weeks, I'm just really trusting that uh, you know, faith can't just be hidden in our hearts. Faith needs to be outworked in action. And uh, I know that he's a, a man that I can follow that it works out as faith in action. And our faith, uh, James says that our, our faith without action is dead. And um, I really want to encourage you in the area of output today. So if you want a name for this preach, this preach is called Stretch Yourselves stretch yourselves. So if you feel like you're going to be stretched over uh, the next five weeks as Joe leads you, because uh, he stretches me, I'm sure he'll stretch you as well. Uh, but not only that, as Michael prayed earlier, just over your whole lifetime, God wants to stretch us over um, our whole lifetime. So I've got uh, one, two, three, four, five. I've got seven points here. I'm hoping I get through them. I see we, we landed worship a little bit earlier, so maybe I'll have a bit more time. I'm trying not to uh, go too much over 30, 40 minutes. Um, but I, I, I wanted to just lay a foundation first that God is out to bless you. Okay? So maybe you can say that God is out to bless me. Now before you think that I'm preaching a prosperity message this morning, which uh, definitely would never fit, and uh, Andrew would be horrified, um, our, our great apostle, um, uh, let me do the, the second part. Um, God wants to bless me so that, so that I can be a blessing. So, and I wanted to put out uh, a message this morning is that the focus is more on the output than on the input. So the input into our lives is blessing, but I, I think that God is actually uh, more interested in the output because we're going to be blessed forever in uh, heaven we're not actually out to create heaven on earth for ourselves, you know, live this perfect uh, magazine life. Uh, the, we may, uh, actually, the New Testament is a lot about a, a lot of um, suffering. And I've heard it said that if the old, the, the, the old covenant is marked by um, blessing, that uh, the, the, the new covenant is, is marked by a lot of um, uh, Travail. There's a lot of hardship in the New Testament. If we look at the, the most of the guys in the New Testament, there was a lot of hardship to their lives, and and we got to we got to grapple with that and say, you know, we're not here to live this. The, the the goal of Christianity is not to live a blessed life. The goal of Christianity is to do God's will, and often doing God's will in this earth is tough. It's tough for yourself to do God's will in your own life. 
You know, he may ask you to stay in a marriage that's tough and try win and come to the victory. That's tough. Sometimes it's easier to get a divorce. You know, he may say, I want you to be brave and courageous with your children. And sometimes it's easier just to let go and say, you know what, I just can't handle my kids anymore. I'm just going to kind of, can't wait till they turn 18, you know, and out the house. Or be brave and courageous and administer tough love. There's many things that God calls us to that are, are, are tough. Um, and a great picture of that is the picture of Mary. And we won't go to the scripture, but Mary, when she breaks the uh, expensive perfume at Jesus' feet. I think you all know the story. You know, Mary comes, Jesus is in the house, all the Pharisees are around, and she comes and takes this expensive nard or this expensive perfume and breaks it at the feet of Jesus. And, and, and Judas is so offended, and he says, you know, this is worth like a, a year's wages. I mean, what's a year's wages? If, if, a year, if someone earns, you know, 10,000 rand, a month, there was at least 120,000 rands worth of perfume broken at the feet of Jesus. Now think about that. So Mary was walking around with 120,000 rand at least of perfume. She was blessed. She was, I mean, does anyone here own a bottle of 120,000 rand perfume? No. So, but if you did, you would consider yourself blessed. And she's a woman, so she enjoys perfume. So in that moment, she's like, wow, God has blessed me with 120,000 rand of expensive perfume. But interestingly enough, that perfume wasn't actually uh, uh, put there for herself. She ended up being blessed, and she could have just held on to this blessing. Oh, I'm so blessed. I've got 120,000 rand of perfume. And then Jesus says, come and, well, Jesus motivated her, inspired her to break it at the feet of Jesus. So the blessing ended up not being for herself. The blessing ended up being at the feet of Jesus. So we can see that beautiful picture of, imagine she just held on to that blessing. I'm just going to, I've been blessed with, it, with all this 120,000 million of perfume. I'm just going to hold on to it. We would never have heard about that act of Mary. But because she Fulfilled, blessed to be a blessing today. We celebrate that story. It's one of our favorite stories. Um, about, um, and it's such a cool, cool story. So um, I've got seven points here. I wanted to just do a little bit of theology, just so that you guys are well anchored in theology, about how you are blessed. I mean, okay, so you, you are blessed. What's the basis for that? So um, let's have a look at that first. So um, Genesis 12, 2 to 4 says, and this is the promise to Abraham. And I just want us to make a connection with Abraham because God wants us to consider Abraham, each one of us, if we're Christians, we're born again Christians, even though Abraham lived, you know, 4,000 years ago, um, uh, whatever it is, that he is actually our spiritual father. He is a man, an ordinary man, but he is symbolic of He's a spiritual father. And I want to make the connection that the blessing that's given to Abraham, this blessing we're reading now, is actually the blessing of your life uh, as well. And, and the, the scripture is very clear about that. So as you read the scripture, it's not only a, a scripture for Abraham, it's a scripture for you. So when you read this, this is for you. And, and, and we'll see how that's uh, the case. And I will make you a great nation. 
This is the NIV. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. So there we can see, I will bless you so that you will be a blessing. So I will be blessed so that I will be a blessing. Yes, that's, get that in your heart. You, God is wanting to bless you so that you will be a blessing. And you see how great it is. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors, I will curse. And in you, just try to get this into your heart. In you, that's you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. You know, uh, the, the, you, we sometimes think of ourselves much smaller than we actually are. If this scripture is true, that's, it's saying that according to what God has done in your heart, what God's put in your heart, that spirit that he has in you, he wants you, little you, little me, because we are kind of little. I mean, we're one of like 8 billion people on earth. So we're kind of little. Just this little, you know, I think it's sometimes more of our mindset. We think we're so little, but in Christ we're not. In you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So how is this uh, scripture definitely tied to us? Uh, Galatians 3, 6 to 9 explains. So also Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Okay? So we are people of faith, therefore we are children of Abraham. Um, just persevere through this theology. I just want to put it out there just so that you guys are well tied. Yeah, this is, I'm not making this up. Scripture foresaw that God would justify, so just be patient for the next five, five, ten minutes. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. We are Gentiles because you either get Jews or Gentiles on earth. We're Gentiles. And announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. Okay? So, verse 9. Those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham. Do we rely on faith? Yes, we do. We know that Abraham relied on faith. We know that Abraham is pre-law. So Abraham was born 430 years before the law was given. Uh, it tells us in the scriptures. So Abraham lived in a place where he walked with God by faith. And we also walk by God by faith. And that's our tie to Abraham. Matthew 3, 9, and Jesus is debating with the Pharisees. And the Pharisees are going, Remember, we're thinking, is Abraham our spiritual father? The Pharisees are saying, listen, Abraham is our spiritual father. And Jesus says, yeah, and do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. We are stones that God's raised up as children of Abraham. Because we, most of us here, yeah, is anyone Jewish here? Yeah? I, I, that's that's a, a, a cool thing, but... There's, there, there aren't, you know, maybe we've got Jewish heritage, but we're basically Gentiles here, but we are stones that God has raised up to be children of Abraham. We've been tied in. And uh, uh, Romans eleven seventeen explains, but some of these branches from Abraham's tree, some of the, this is the NLT, people of Israel, they've been broken off. And you Gentiles who were branches from a wild olive tree have been grafted in. We've been grafted into the tree of Israel. So we, as Gentiles now, we can claim, as much as the Pharisees claimed, that Abram is our father. He's the father of faith, and we're children of faith. We've been, we have as much rights to the kingdom as the traditional Jews. God has grafted us in, and the Bible talks us becoming one. 
That's why in our hearts, Israel will always be special to us. Israel the nation. We can't look at Israel and not go like it's discarded. We have been grafted into them um, according to the scriptures. How much of Israel will be saved today? I know that most of Israel today is secular, unfortunately. And most of Israel has re- uh, rejected Jesus. But the, the Bible talks about a, a, a promise still hanging over Israel that when we're in heaven, there are going to be many people in heaven that are from the nation of Israel, that were saved by faith as Abraham was. And yeah, we see it now. Uh, so this is um, 17 grafted in. So now you also receive the blessing God has promised Abraham. Do you see it? So that same blessing that was over Abram, you will be blessed. And we know that Abram was super blessed. I mean, he was like, it was ridiculous, you know, he's just like wealthy. And when we calibrate blessing, we need to see that blessing is a richness in his lives. It, 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 I would imagine that it's artworked in base provision. God wants to provide all our needs. So he wants to pay your rent and have you eaten all the rest. It may not mean that you drive a Porsche. Okay? But it may mean that you drive a Porsche. But if you drive a Porsche, it's quite hard to uh, uh, get into the kingdom. You know that. Because uh, a rich man getting into the, the, eye, the kingdom is like getting a camel through the eye of a needle. Uh, the Bible says it's actually more blessed to be poor. Because sometimes it's easier to get in the kingdom when we're poor than when we're rich. I'm competing with the rain. All right, so here's a key point um, as we shift now. So let's tweak a little bit what it means to be um, blessed uh, in Abraham. Is it like a general blessing now? Do, you, do we as born again guys right now just get blessed regardless? Or is there something that we need to remember? And Galatians 3.16, it's a, it's, a, it's a technical scripture, but I want you to see something in this. Uh, Galatians 3.16, God gave the promises to Abram and his child, and notice that the scripture doesn't say to his children. I'm going somewhere with this. As if it meant many descendants. Rather, it says to his child, and that, of course, means Christ. Okay. This is what I'm getting out of this. To walk in the blessing and to be blessed, you need to be in Christ. The blessing of Abram is actually extended to Christ, not to many children. As you are in Christ, you experience His blessing and you can be a blessing. And we see this explained by Jesus when He says in John 15, 3, 5, you're already clean and so on. No branch... Uh, Let's go to uh, John 15, uh, Faith. You're already clean because of the word I spoke to you. Remain in me and I'll remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. The vine is Jesus. So as as it says the blessing to Abraham is extended to Christ, you've got to stay in Christ to experience the blessing and and to uh, be a blessing. You can't just go out and do your own thing and expect to be blessed and be a blessing. Does that make sense? You can't just go, you know what, I'm 
technically born again or I believe myself to be born again. I'm just going to run out there in the world and be blessed and be a blessing. No, you have to remain in Christ because the blessing of Abram is extended not to many children, but to one man, Christ. And as you're in Christ, you get that blessing. Does that make sense? It's important you stay in Christ. This is really important. So it says there, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And Joe spoke about it earlier. There's going to be hard things that God calls you to do. But if you stay in Christ, you'll be able to do them. Outside of Christ, you will not be able to do them. You can't fulfill what God has for you outside of Christ. It's only with his strength. You know, if you're doing things without Christ, it's probably not the Lord. We are called to do things in Him. I'm the vine, you're the branches. Jesus talking, if a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. It also means something else. It means that the resources that each one of us have are actually... You know, it's easy for us to be in a poverty mentality, like Joe was talking about in my own strength. Yeah, you know what? In your own strength, in my own strength, I can do nothing. I can do nothing in this kingdom of my own strength. I can take all my skills and my talents. You know, Paul said, I, I, all my pedigrees, my degrees, I consider them like dung. Okay, there's another word. I'll just use that word. Okay? I consider them like waste. Only... In Jesus, can you build his kingdom? You know, that's why most of the guys that you see ministering in the front here don't have um, theological degrees, I don't. Andrew doesn't. Uh, Peter was a poor fisherman. He didn't, the only Pharisee he chose was Paul. The rest of the guys were just everyday people. Because God wants to use everyday people because only what can be done has to be done in Christ. And that's why we no, no longer regard each other according to the ways of the world. We don't look at someone that walks in and if they've uh, never been to school or we look at the guy that is highly capable, we see them the same because in Christ they have the same potential. It also means this that the resources behind you are infinite because God is infinite. And Christ is, in Christ, the possibilities are infinite. And it's very, very important that we don't come to the Lord just with our resources and say, my house is only that small, my budget's only that small, my car's only that small. Because in God, it's infinite. In Christ, anything's possible. And we need to expand our hearts and mind and go, in the Lord, I'm, not, I'm, I'm presenting myself in weakness but it's out of his strength that I'm confident. I have no confidence in my own stuff. I have no confidence in myself. You know, Will Murray, he died at 67. Uh, he died a fairly poor man. I think he owned his house. I don't know. But Will wasn't like super rich. You know, he drove like a modest car. But Will's testimony is he's had millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of rands passed through his hands because he was blessed to be a blessing. He didn't keep on the money. If he, I mean, if he kept the money, I mean, he, he would have been like, like, you know, prosperity, like gospel preacher, you know, the, the 
uh, you know, the guys on TV. But he didn't. He died modestly. But millions has passed through his hands because he was able to shift enough out of a poverty mentality to understand that the the resources in Christ are infinite. God can do infinite things. Amen? So we've done two points. We've done uh, the blessing. Yeah, the blessing through Abraham extended to us. We've done it must be within Christ. And um, C, uh, point C, make yourselves available. And, uh, Paul and uh, Joe mentioned that earlier. I said to Joe just at the beginning of, of, of the, the, because sometimes so much truth comes out during the announcements. I said, there's so much stuff in your announcements that came, that's in my preach. Make yourself available. So the famous Hollywood actor Woody Allen, because we also uh, can quote uh, from uh, the, the, the world's uh, writings. I know that Paul did, because he, he, uh, he quoted the, one of the philosophers from Crete. And he said, 90% of success, and I've, I really have applied this a few times to my life, 90% of success is just turning up. 90% of success is just turning up. You know, so many times, success at your work day is just turning up at 8 o'clock. You know, you don't know what that day is going to be like. You just turn up for work. And then you have a great day, and God just provides. And, but you don't know what that day is going to be like. But you just turn up. Making yourself available. And making yourself available is actually a form of faith. Let's just say, as an example, you, it's sports day at school. It's either swimming or running, okay? And let's just say you know absolutely that you're going to come stone last. But not like just slightly stone last, like you're going to be like way behind everyone else. Okay? Like humiliating way beyond everyone else. Like, you know, guys have finished the swimming in the pool. They've got out the pool and you're still swimming. Like barely, you know, like even the cheering has stopped and you're still swimming, you know, and it's like dead quiet and everyone's like, and then the guy in the announcer goes, come on, let's cheer, you know, like it's really, you know, are you probably, because you just think about it, you're going to be like radically humiliated, you know, I mean, I mean, you know, the affirming environment that school is, you know, are you probably going to turn up on that day? I tell you what, many of us would not turn up on that day. You would either be sick or during a race, you, you had to go to the toilet, you know? But you would avoided that. And then, but, but if you know there's a slower kid, if you know there's a slower kid, you absolutely will turn up because you're not lost. As long as you know that you're not lost. Now, that is actually a form of faith. You have faith that you're not going to be stone lost and humiliated. And that's why you turn up. And God wants us to have that general attitude. All he asks is for faith as small as a mustard seed, which is the smallest garden plant seed. Give me something, guys. God's saying, just give me a little bit. Because then I know you'll turn up. And that's where you need to stir yourself up in faith. So when Joe's saying, hey, host, you need a God's saying, just give me something. Otherwise, you're not even going to turn up. Just know that there is a chance of success. 
And I can guarantee you in Christ there's a huge chance of success, if not a guarantee, absolutely, of success. And that's where you've got to position yourself in faith. You've got to make yourself available in faith. You've got to turn up going, I'm not going to be stone lost. I'm not going to get the, 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 the I'm not going to host the guys from hell. I'm going, to host, I'm going to host the guys from heaven. Yeah, there's got to be that positivity in us. And I really don't think that anyone that's coming to this conference from overseas is not going to be a great um, guest. I mean, think about it. They've spending money and time and everything to be here. Um, that you probably, your, your experience is going to be incredible. I'm, I'm, let me scan a little bit here. Okay, so Isaiah, God wants us to shift in our attitude. And for some of us sitting here, we might be like Isaiah. <clears throat> Isaiah 6, 1 to 5. So notice the shift in Isaiah. So very well-worn, familiar scripture. You guys all know it. So uh, Isaiah, uh, in the year the king Isaiah died, <clears throat> Isaiah's in the throne room of God. And I mean, it's an incredible scripture. You know, he's seeing God and his holiness and all the rest. And verse 5, he says, Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live, a ma- a lo- live among a, ma- a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. And, you know, he's saying, woe to me, there's no faith that Isaiah, Isaiah has in that moment. But as we go on to verse 6, we see something happens. Then one of the seraphs flew over, so an angel fl- flies over, touches his lips, makes uh, makes him clean, takes away sin. And then in verse 8, notice the shift in Isaiah. Isaiah has gone from woe is me to verse 8. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and he will go for us? And I said, here I am, send me. So, so Isaiah shifted from woe to me. I just want to get out of this throne room. I wish I wasn't here. Maybe I wish I wasn't even born. I mean, he shifted from that to standing before all the angels. I mean, these are seraphims. These are like massive angels with wings. The glory of God, his train fills the temple. I mean, there's so much peer pressure, you know. There's so much potential like fear. And suddenly this boldness comes over Isaiah that he stands before this whole heavenly entourage and says, um, thanks, um, thanks, Jen. This whole heavenly entourage and says, here I am, send me. Like there's a boldness. And the Lord wants a similar shift to come over us too. That if we are in a place where we, uh, we, we're just thinking little me and we, we're doubting, that the Lord wants to shift us as Isaiah shifted. Um, and I, I had this really cool, I think Elder in um, Mark and Jill Baker's composted. Is, is, is Elder here this morning? El, um, an elder, and she posted this thing. She should have been here. She could, she could have got some credit. Um, so uh, she posted this thing about Jesus turning water into wine, and that many of us feel like we're water. And water is like it's it's it has no real value. You know, I mean, water is free out the taps. But that that many of us consider ourselves as water, worth kind of worthless. Whatever I got to offer, you know. And that Jesus wants to turn us from water into precious 
wine. Not only any wine, the best wine at the marriage feast. That God wants to take, if you're feeling like ordinary water, you need to say, Jesus, I'm feeling like ordinary water. I mean, it's just discarded. I mean, water is, you know, no one's going to see water in the street and scoop it up. It has no value. But he wants to take ordinary you and turn you into the most expensive, beautiful wine that you can be a blessing. And we know that the wine that was given at the, at the end of the marriage feast was such a blessing to that marriage ceremony. Amen? So we see that with Isaiah. We see Isaiah shifting from woe is me, little me, to here I am, send me. Is that your attitude right now? Standing bold in the kingdom saying, here I am, send me. In Christ, you can be that. I would pray that every single one of us would be, here I am, Lord, send me. Whatever is required in his kingdom. I felt this scripture, and I, I don't have it in my notes, and I, I was going to use it earlier. I'll use it now. Um, if you can go to 2 Timothy 2.3, um, faith. And I felt like the Lord wanted to just remind us that we're soldiers. You're a soldier. And it says, endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. You're a soldier, and the Lord wants to remind you that you're a soldier. So soldiers can endure hardship. Is there a hardiness to you? Is there a little bit of cockiness to you? A little bit of like, bring it on. And that's what Isaiah was like, here I am, send me. There's a little bit of vibe there, you know, a little bit of swagger. Are you, you, are you a soldier? Because God says that you're a soldier. And a soldier's a bit robust. And you need to be robust in Christ. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Is there a robustness to you? Or are you more like, of like a victim? God wants to shift you because Christ has conquered and he's made you more than a conqueror. And you need to get feel, start feeling more, like a conqueror, more than a conqueror. It doesn't even say that we are conquerors. It says we're more than a conqueror. Are you feeling that in Christ? There's a little bit of cockiness to you in the spiritual realm. And God wants to build that into you, wants to build the hardiness into you that you don't allow the devil just to kick you around. That you actually stand up with the spiritual weapons that you've got and God, and, and God has equipped you with. Now, uh, Paul says in Ephesians 6, all the armor of God. You know, that's, that's old school armor of God, but it's no different than if you were like some kind of, you know, um, soldier fighting in Afghanistan, you know, with all the like ladder stuff, you know, like carbon fiber and, and this bulletproof vest and this kind of helmet. And there's no difference in the spiritual realm. That's what you look like in Christ. You're not like this old school Roman soldier. That's, that was their cutting edge in that time. You, whatever the most cutting edge soldier is today, that's what you are in the spiritual realm. Do you know that? Because if you don't know that, you're going to allow the devil to kick you around. And you need to stand up and go, hey, listen. You will go through trials and, and, and temptations and all the rest, but Satan is on a leash, and God is holding the leash. John Piper. He will only allow you that much that you can bear. Enough temptation. He won't, he won't bail on you. He won't just leave you alone. All right, my fourth point. Action is important. We spoke about that. Earlier, James 2.26, for as the body apart from the Spirit is dead, so also faith apart 
from works is dead. We need to act on faith. And we remember the story about Peter getting out the boat. Everyone know the story? And he walks on water. Let's just kind of slow that down for a moment. Okay, so Paul's sitting in the boat with all the guys. And he hears Jesus call him. Okay, so uh, um, Lucas said last week, faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. So he hears the word of Jesus or the word of Christ. Faith comes into his heart. Yes? Okay, so we hear the word of God. Faith comes into our heart. So he's sitting in the boat there. Everyone's just sitting in the boat. And now Jesus has come to me. What does he have to do? He has to stand. Well, let's slow it down. He has to stand up. Because now he's standing up. So now the other disciples are looking at him going, he's standing up. Then he's got to, these are actions, okay? He's got faith, but these are actions. Then he's got to put his hand on the edge of the boat. Then he's got to lift that foot, which must be really hard to lift. It must be the heaviest foot ever known in history, yeah? He lifts that foot by faith, and he puts it on the water. One foot on the water. What's he got to feel? He's got to feel firmness. He's like, no way. It's firm. Then he's got to go. Another action. No way. It's firm. The water's firm. Then he's got to take his hand off the boat. Also, one of the greatest acts in history. Take, let go of the boat. Let's go of the boat. Okay. We're in water. Action. One foot forward. No way. It's solid. Next foot forward. That's all action. If, if Peter found all that faith in the boat, but he never left the boat, does the faith mean anything? It means nothing. It only means something when it's outworked. So faith without action is dead. It's important that you apply action to your faith. God is speaking to you and he wants a return. Isaiah 55, 11 says, So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. We can see there that when God speaks, he doesn't just speak for the sake of speaking so that you can say, yay, I heard God's voice. He speaks to you because he wants to achieve a purpose. And he even promises that uh, what he desires will be accomplished. There's one big thing that stands in the way of that, and that's our obedience. When God speaks to you and whispers to you his word, are you obedient and apply action? In 1732, there's two Moravians, and you've heard the story, but you may not know their names. The one guy's name is David Nitschmann, and the other guy's name is Johann Dover. So in 1732, these two Moravians, and the Moravians are the guys that uh, inspired John Wesley, they sell themselves into slavery so that they can go reach the slaves of St. Thomas in the Caribbean. Everyone heard the story? And they say, may the Lord that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. They may have had faith that Jesus was Lord, 
But then they applied action and sold themselves into slavery. I tell you, faith by itself is useless. But when it's actioned, it's one of the most famous testimonies of God of self-sacrifice. Action applied to hearing God's voice, which is go and make disciples of all nations. You couldn't get into St. Thomas. The only way in was as a slave. So they said, we're going as slaves. That's action. And we know that that action is ultimately for his glory. All right, so I've done, I've done four. I'm on five. Focus is important. Don't make it too general. Imagine for a moment, they say, I want you to go help. And I thought about, because most of us don't have no idea what to do at it. Uh, not a rugby game. Imagine you had to turn up to help at an American football game. Okay, I have no idea what to do there. Okay, I don't even know the rules. But imagine they say, guys, hey, come help at the American football game. And you turn up at the Amer American football game. There's like 200,000 people in the stadium. The game is going on. There's, everything's going on. And they say, help. You'll be like, because there's no focus. You have no idea. It's like getting in church. There's so much happening in church. You're like, uh, come up with church. You're like, uh, there's this huge machine happening. And you're like, I, I don't know where to help. Focus. Don't make it too general. Otherwise, you will do nothing. What is God calling you to do? Hey, they need someone to help on tea. That's specific. I'm part of the big picture. Come help put our chairs. Come help pray. Come help do this. Make it, focus on something. Don't make it so general. Does that make sense? Otherwise, we will do nothing. What is the next big season for you? What's God saying big season for you? Okay, where, which, which congregation should, should you be in? Community group. And then, your mini season. What's the, the little thing inside of it? Let's just say I'm in Sirindelianscom. Um, okay? So that's, a, that's my season. Okay? What's my mini season? How can I help inside the community group? And then even go even smaller. What's micro? What's, start to take it down. Focus on things. What are the, these exact things that God is telling me to do? Because God will speak to you. He'll say, I want you to walk with this person. I want you to bless this person. Break it down and make it focused. Does that make sense? Okay. Easy. We're on to F. We're called to service. Um, Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Not for faith. We don't do works for, for sorry, not for salvation. We don't do works for salvation. Salvation is by faith alone. But we're still called to works. There, there it is. You know, if you hate works, if you're from an evangelical background, charismatic background, like many of us are from, and everyone like it, do not do any works. You know, do not tamper with the, the um, pillar of salvation. Absolutely, it's by faith alone, but we're still called to works. We're still called to do stuff. And there we see it. We're created to do good works. And I was hoping today that you guys would be excited about the beauty of service. And a community group I actually shared with the guys, I think that there's nothing more beautiful than service, especially self-sacrifice service, because there's nothing in it for us. You know, if we're supposed to clean toilets, because some guys clean toilets before the service. Does anyone enjoy cleaning toilets? 
Does anyone enjoy cleaning public toilets? No one, but someone has to do it. Who, who cleaned the toilets today? Okay, at the, uh, chief. Chief cleaned toilets today. Someone had to do it. Now, chief is not cleaning toilets now with the toilet brush and going, sorry for getting too graphic, but he's not cleaning there going, oh my goodness, all the other guys, they bet they wish they were, they were, they were doing this job. I'm so lucky that I'm doing this job. This is the best kept secret. But actually, deep inside he might be because he's serving Christ. He's serving Christ. And because he's made it, he's focused. He's not like, oh yeah, you know, he's not like, like hippie in the church. He's just doing stuff. He's adding action and he's making it specific and he's understanding the beauty of service. Service is beautiful. And you know what his reward is? Peace, joy, and all the other stuff in the Holy Spirit. That's his, he's just, oh, Jesus, I feel your presence. Man, you can't buy your presence at the shop. Not even a million bucks to buy your presence. But I've got your presence now. What everyone in this whole world wants, I've got it right now while I clean these toilets. While I'm washing the dishes. While I'm serving tea. I've got your presence. The, 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 the treasure in the field the hidden treasure in the field. I've got, I've, I've, I've got this treasure here next to the white porcelain toilet bowl. 1 Peter 1, 2. Um, it talks about the church in general, okay, to, and, uh, to God's elect, that's us, strangers in the world, scattered, you know, we're scattered around the world, that's us. Um, who have been chosen, we've been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. He knew that we would, uh, you know, be here, uh, that He would choose us through the sanctifying work of the Spirit. God's making us holy, cleaning up our lives for obedience to Jesus Christ. We're soldiers that serve at His pleasure. Are you a soldier that serves at the pleasure of Jesus Christ? Because you're, you're called to obedience to Jesus. You're not called to just be free. You're actually called to be free except for obedience to Jesus Christ. You are, we are free men. We are not bound by the law, but we're bound to Jesus Christ. If Jesus says, do this, we're supposed to be doing it. This is his church. This is his prize. This is his reward. He's pleased with this. This is what he died on the cross for. That's why the guys that sold themselves into slavery said, let the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. When Jesus, this here is the reward of his suffering. You sitting here today is the reward of his suffering. He is so stoked that you're here today because he owns you and he paid for you with his blood. Serve in whatever God has called you to do, whether you like it or not. Someone had to pay for the lights to be on today. Someone had to pay for the electricity that comes through this microphone that you hear the gospel when you did hear the gospel that you were saved. Someone had to pay for these carpets. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I just want to say this is reality. Someone paid for that drum kit. Someone paid for this. Someone paid for your clothes. You probably did. Um, maybe it was a gift. But what I'm saying is everything we see around us, someone paid for it. Don't be afraid to give your money to the kingdom. Because 
It's part of action and your contribution. You know, the gospel is not free, actually. The gospel costs, it's free in Christ by faith, not that part. But the gospel costs money. It costs money for missionaries to go to the nations. It costs money, everything costs money. Does that make sense? And you know what? I, I'm, I, I, for visitors, we don't need your money, okay? I'm not saying that. I'm saying, but we've got to realize church costs money. And your money, God sees it, and it's your giving. You know, the last thing to get saved is often our wallet, you know? Everything gets saved first, then Jesus says, can I be Lord of your wallet? And you're like, eee. You can be Lord of all areas, and then your, your wallet comes under the Lordship of Christ like lost. You know, it's like lost in line. You know, everything else, your language comes first, cleans up your language, then slowly, slowly, and then your wallet's like right at the end. You know, and your wallet comes into the kingdom. And then when your wallet comes into the kingdom, you're like, okay, he's got it all. Joe, I'm winding down, so just get yourself ready there. Okay, another little, I'm going to end with some theology now. This is a, a very, very difficult scripture. Not many men would tread here, um, but I'm going there this morning, okay? Galatians 1, uh, Colossians 1, 24. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you. This is Paul talking and, talking, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake. Okay, let's just pause there. What? It says what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Isn't it complete? Yes, it's complete for salvation, but it's not complete for the sake of his body. For the growth of his church, it's going to require our suffering, our soldiering, our persevering. And Christ has designed it that way. He's left a gap. Not for salvation. Salvation is paid for and we cannot add. But we can add for the sake of his body, the church. Christ has left your portion. You can't just say, Jesus, you do it. Jesus is saying, no, you do it. I've left a portion, what is still lacking. And Paul fills it up in his flesh. He actualizes what is missing for the advancement of his church. Get that in your heart. Does that make scripture? Does that make sense, that scripture? It's a tough scripture, but Andrew helped me with it, but ages ago. But when you see it that way, you see, I, Jesus has is, is, is left a, a gap for me that I can come in and fill by design. He chose it that way. He didn't have to, but he chose it that way. You may think, but why does he need my money? So I'm back on money. Again, sometimes the last thing to get saved. So why does God need my money? Because he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. It's because he's left a gap for your wallet. He's left a gap for you. He's left a gap so that he can give you the money so that you can give him the money. <laughs> you know, it's like a circle. So that you can be part of this. It's your contribution. Amen? Amen. Why don't we just stand where we are and um, I'll just see where, where we go from here. Let me pray for us and then I'll I'll hand over to Joe. Lord, I just uh, pray for us right now, God. I thank you that uh, we are soldiers. Well, why don't you say, I am a soldier. 
of Jesus Christ. And I will endure suffering on His behalf for the growth of His church. So help me God. Amen.